0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 349 of the Stable Scoop radio show, Sweeping the Sierras. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Sparkle and Boom, By Mita DeWormers, Uncle Jimmy's Brand Products, and Mill Creek Spreaders.
0: This week, we hear from a longtime friend of the show, internationally renowned photographer, Scott Trees, on his new project, 12 People, 12 Horses, 12 Stories. Plus, Misty Tracy tells us about an important work that the sweep riders of the Sierra do. And Flirting with the World Training Tip is provided by Ellie O'Brien Horsemanship on Starting a Horse Week 1.
2: you the news through hell, hot water while using their tails as a roam fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop cause It's time again for stable school. Stable school. Stable school. Stable school.
0: I am Glenda Geek. And I'm
1: Helena V and you're listening to the Stable Scoop radio show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, howdy Helena? Howdy Glenn, how are you today?
0: Good, terrific. We have a fun show with some old friends coming on and we're going to meet some new friends on the show. I'm so excited about that. I'm also excited this is the week I head off to the Pod Fest at the end of the week, which is a podcaster uh, get together. We're going to hopefully learning some things and I also get to be part of the panels doing uh some education for new podcasters, so I'm all excited about that in Tampa this You'll week. You'll be in geek heaven. I will. It'll be a whole bunch of nerds. that will be great. <laughs> I'll be a nerd. What's the festival. difference between a nerd and a geek? You know, I think a nerd is a is a nerdier version of a geek. Oh, you know, nerds, and I don't f- fall into this. I think I'm still in the geek category because nerds get into. They're also the guys who play like nonstop uh, video games and really get into role playing, you know and Dungeons and dragons and things like that. I'm not into that stuff, so
1: no, no, there's there's definitely a whole subculture of folks who who live that life. It's so yeah. interesting to me, fascinating. Okay, so you're just a flat- out geek.
0: Yeah, you know, now that I don't dress up in tights anymore and do the Renaissance <laughs> fairs, I've, I've left nerd and gone back to geek.
1: Talk about role playing. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're glad you're. We're glad you're doing radio these okay, days. <laughs> yeah. Okay,
0: right, good. Yeah. You know, my tights don't fit anymore anyway. Oh. So, uh, yeah, that's
1: all right. Never. Well, you know your breeches do because we had you in those fits breeches. Remember? Oh,
0: that's right. Yes. Yes. And you know, I gave those. I gave those away. <laughs> I've never worn them since.
1: Oh, uh, no. that's because you drive. You don't. No, ride. I've
0: worn riding breeches once in my life, and that was plenty. I'll let you all <laughs> do that. You do it much better <laughs> than I do.
1: It's just so, so funny that that. That, that riding breeches aren't really in you know at the top of your list, but tights were there for tights a long time. Tights and dresses,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: And shoes with <laughs> bells on them. <laughs> exactly.
0: Okay. Oh well. It was fun uh, while it lasted. And and so anybody that going, doesn't all new listeners are going, What is he doing? I used yeah, to work the Renaissance the Fairs people. That's what I was. It was nothing more than that. Yeah, personally. sure. Yeah. Yeah,
1: sure. <laughs> Which would be totally fine, but let's just call it what it
0: is. Yeah, that's right. I was still wearing um, dresses and tights. So, I met my so, wife wearing a dress and tights. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I wore them well. Yes, you did.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Now, you, you are had my a, friends. You These had are a, my
0: closest, a, dearest friends. <laughs> you had a blog post that's doing pretty well.
1: I had a blog post that's doing very well, surprisingly. Um, there's a category on flirting with the world that is called passions, and, of course, horses are my passion. Uh, there are a few other things that will appear in the passions category, but horses will be um the dominant topic. And um this one was titled, Why is there only one horse in the barn? Now, if you follow Stable Scoop on Facebook, you will have had a link to the blog post. Now, what I do is um I, I never plan what I'm going to write. It's almost like you, when, when you're a writer – Um, when you're a blog writer in particular and, and you don't actually have a purpose to your writing. It's just a means for creative expression and sharing. Whatever comes to you comes through you. Something will happen, an event, an experience, an opinion, a thought, and you literally just become this conduit for the words. Well, that's what happened. I got up one morning and I went out to the barn to feed my horses and there was only one horse in the barn.
0: And there's supposed to be two there's supposed to be two.
1: So this particular blog post described the events of that morning. And if you want to find out what happened, you have to read the post, but we'll, we'll we'll put a spoiler in. Um so one of the horses escaped. If you have read the post, um which was picked up by Eventing Nation by the way and listed as one of their best of blogs. Um, it's, they have this Thursday news from, that's sponsored by Smart Pack. So it gets a lot of eyeballs on it. So I'm going through my stats and I'm getting these alerts, you know, footing with the world is getting hits and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, where are all these hits coming from? Little did I know that Eventing Nation had, had picked it, picked it up and was distributing it. Um, so we discovered the breach. And uh, the older Appaloosa gelding that lives with us these days decided that the electric fencing really wasn't strong enough. And he was going to go through the three strands in the barnyard. And he, I'll tell you. And it was on or wasn't is, it on? It was on. Oh, wow. It was on. And for as old as he is, I cannot believe he was limber enough to get through the three strands, leave it primarily intact. And
0: so he had to be getting zapped. There.
1: Here's what I think. I think the charge isn't strong enough for the thickness of his coat.
0: Oh, because he's got his winter coat.
1: I think, yeah, he yeah. still has his winter coat, which is shedding taking its time shedding out. So I think he's able to get his head through and enough so it's catching him just below the wither or yeah. on the neck. Yep, and he can zip through.
0: We had cows that were that way because their hides so thick that you yeah, actually need a, you need a bigger charger. <laughs> yeah, with <laughs> so more zap.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, stupid me. And, of course, you know, he's highly motivated. And you have tape,
0: too. You just don't have the wire. You have the tape, right?
1: I have the tape. Three strands of it. (laughs) Three strands of it. He said, screw Um, you, I'm leaving. And stupid me, there's, you know, I should put up, like, a fence. I have a rail that goes across the opening from the barnyard. So, if they get out of the tape, there's still a stone wall. And brambles all around, but there's one opening in the stone wall which leads down a path out to our back field, which is a couple of acres of budding green grass. Uh,
0: that's where you so found I've them, I guess.
1: Been putting them out there, you know, twenty minutes a day, thirty minutes. So we're up to you know two hours a day out there, and um, he just wants that to be four or five, six hours. hmm So um, we have to put a backup system in place.
0: <laughs> so actually, he's the smart one, was when it comes down to.
1: Yeah, and Brody's standing there like, ma, he's done it again. Can I have his grain?
0: <laughs> yeah. The dummy went through the fence again. <laughs> How yeah. come he gets all the good grass and I don't? I know. Because you're not smart. He is smart enough. See,
1: Brody has a really good, Brody has a, a set of ethics. He knows that he shouldn't break out of the fence. Mm.
0: He's the good he's kid. He's
1: like, yeah, he's like, I'm the good boy. Because when you're a good boy, you get things.
0: Mm-hmm. You, get,
1: you get things. So,
0: isn't it funny? You only have two horses, yet you still have one troublemaker. It just always oh, works that way, doesn't it?
1: I have, I, I, since it was Zeke and Pi, Pi was the troublemaker. We had to put brass snaps and screw eyes in every single door in the barn because that horse could open every single door. We had to put brass snaps. Then we had Martin who came, but he was fairly well behaved. Um, He used to just knock fence rails down because he'd be sticking his head through all the time. And then we had Nutmeg, the pony, and she would just, oh, she was just hell on wheels. She'd be out all the time, trotting around down the street. And then we had, well, then Brody came. So it was Brody, Zeke, and Nutmeg for a while. Nutmeg was the troublemaker. Then Zeke passed away, and Nutmeg went to her new home. And then Brody was alone for a while until Calypso came. And now Calypso's the, the troublemaker.
0: You always Honestly. have one. It never fails. It never fails. No matter... And we have one, too. Beaker's nice and quiet and all good. And then there's the pony. Scooter. And
3: then there's the pony. He's always yeah.
0: causing trouble of some sort. <laughs> but they, <laughs> but he, they look cute doing it. See, that's the problem with ponies, is they look cute while they're causing trouble.
1: Oh, uh, and when you catch them, they look even cuter. I know.
0: Then they give you those eyes, just like your child used to when, he, when she was about four. And had just yeah, gotten yeah. into something, you know, but it wasn't me, mommy. Yeah, like <laughs> As she's what? covered in cake. Who? What? Yeah. It wasn't she's me that things. ate the whole cake. Yeah. I didn't do it. The dog gave it to me.
1: <laughs> I remember <clears throat> coming home from the barn one day, and Grace was with her dad, and and there was black Sharpie, magic marker, yeah. all over the walls and like my favorite chair in the room. Oh no! And I was like, Grace, what happened? What, what happened with the marker? I don't know, Mommy. I said, did you draw on the walls? wasn't me.
0: <laughs> Cat did it. I didn't it. do it.
1: I didn't do it. No, Mommy. <gasps> oh, they don't, they don't so have the mind,
0: the power to rationalize that. There was nobody else that could have done it. They, don't, they, they can't figure that out in their head.
1: So, oh, it was yeah. the cutest thing I ever saw.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, where can people find the blog if they want to read it?
1: People can go to flirtingwiththeworld.com, and uh, this particular entry is under Passions. That's where you you will find most of my horse entries.
0: Very good. Well, let's go to our first guest right after this word from our favorite dewormer by Mita. We have Scott Trees coming up of Scott Trees Media Media. (laughs) by Mita and Media. Uh, We have Scott Trees of uh, Scott Trees Media coming up who's going to tell us about a new project he's working on. He's, of course, one of our favorite photographers and has been with us for years. We all know the importance of deworming our horses, and Dr. Ellefson of Biomita Equine is helping us make sure we are doing it right. Listen for his four-part series the first week of every month on this very show. I just wanted to remind everyone, if you are due for deworming, why not save a few bucks on the popular Biomita line of wormers, including Equimax, Bimectin, Exodus, Exodus Multidosed, and Equil. You can find coupons and special offers at buymedaequine.com, including a variety of rebate offers from cash to free ivermectin. You can also get up to $2 a dose back for Equimax. And while you're at buymedaequine, Equine, get your free Horse Health Record Keeper, and you can just download it there. Plus, learn a bunch about parasites and deworming at BuyMedia, that's B-I-M-E-D-A, equine.com. We at the Horse Radio Network all use Buy Me to d because we want the best for our horses, and we know you want the best for yours, too. Buy me to equine.com and tell them the Horse Radio Network sent you. Well, welcome back to the show, Scott. It's good to have you again.
4: Hey, Glenn. Good to hear from you. It's always nice to come back on your show.
0: And, of course, as we said, Scott is with uh, Scott Trees Media. Scott's been coming on with Helena and I and on other shows since almost the beginning, I think, uh, seven years ago. So we really, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's been a long time.
4: It has been, and, it, it, and it's always a pleasure. I mean, it's, it's nice. It's been great from my side to see things grow for you. You put in a good program, and obviously you found a good market.
0: Well, Scott, if you want to check out, too, he's done a whole bunch of tips for us over the years for uh, for photography and how to do photography, even with your crappy old cell phones for cameras, <laughs> and you can do that, or you can find all Scott's past uh, appearances on the shows. Just go to Horse Radio Network and search for Scott Trees, and you'll find him on there. Well, Scott, what are we talking about today? You got some new well, stuff you know, coming you've up. always had me. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: I was just saying, well, you have got some new stuff coming up.
4: I do. I do. You've you've uh, always had me on as as a. We've always talked a lot about photography with some mention of video, but video has always been a, a big part of my business as well. And actually, there's some people in the industry that think I'm better at video than I am at stills. And I've done it for many years in a lot of varying uh, projects from the, in the horse world, certainly, and also in the commercial world. And so um, I've announced a new project this year. Um, it's called 12 People, 12 Horses, 12 Stories. And I'm doing it in association with the Raven Horseman's Distress Fund, which is a nonprofit. And basically, I'm going to be creating a series of short stories about the Arabian horse. Um, I grew up in the Arabian horse industry, and and that is the probably the industry I'm best known in for my photographic work. And the one thing that's happened over the years is, you know, there was a pretty big machine in the 80s, of which I was a part of, that created this um, appearance of the Arabian horses when they were being sold as living art. And unfortunately, I think a byproduct of that, while it was kind of heady at the time, and that was the the era when the Arabians were selling for, you know, ridiculous amounts of money and... um, that it created a a perception on the part of the public that they're pretty expensive and you can't do anything with them. And there's no question they're pretty. And yes, some of them are expensive, but it's Definitely a, a misconception that you can't do anything. Well, it.
0: I, but it's not um, like it was in the '80s when things were just ridiculous. Oh gosh, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, no.
4: But I think that you know, the, all, all of the horse industry is dealing with a, a, a dwindling market. I mean, you know, they're all faced with declining registrations, and you know, the the, the, the number of people that are you know, buying horses is changing, and, and you know, we're all competing for kind of a, a smaller discretionary dollar. So. In, in this age in my life and era of my career, and I'm definitely in act three of my career, and, and um, part of my desire is to give back. And so this is a series that's designed to showcase the versatility of the Arabian horse. Um, for example, one of our first stories that we're starting to shoot in June is um, with an organization in L.A. called Taking the Rains. And this is an organization that deals with at-risk teens in L.A. and uses 15 Arabians in their program and changes lives. And um, we're going to be working with um, uh endurance rider, a, a youth endurance rider that happens to ride Arabians. And you're looking for unusual stories of, of the Arabian horse, not not necessarily um, uh, your typical, what most people think of the Arabian horse is doing. Um, my goal is hopefully when when the program is done, that people can Look at this and watch it, and go. Oh gosh, I had no idea that even horse could do that. And so I'm, I'm hoping to create some interesting stories about people and horses that happen to feature races.
0: That's very cool. I, you know, and I think that uh, with you doing it, they're going to be really, really neat. Now, are they, how are you going to put them out? Where, where? We're going to. People...
4: We're going to. You know, one of the one of the reasons I sought funding the way I'm doing it is as a producer. One of the biggest problems we're faced with is getting a project paid for which is usually what happens is why you see all these advertisements. It's the advertisements that make it possible for the program to be brought to you. Well, by utilizing a, a nonprofit, as I have, and the Raven Horseman's Distress Fund's charter is set up for them to do a promotional educational venue like this, is that any donations that we receive are fully tax deductible. So I'm going to be in, in, in a nice position as a producer to have the program paid for. I don't have to sell advertising to watch it. So it's going to be available on the Internet. We're working on. Uh, there'll be a, a YouTube channel. There'll be a. Uh, it'll be on my website. It'll be on the reading Horse Distress Fund site. It'll be on Facebook. Anybody that wants to embed it, link to it, watch it, will be able to do it.
1: That's nice. So it's accessible, and you don't have to it's compromise accessible. the project no. for that. Often awkward part. I mean, when you're the creative um, person behind a project like this, it can really, it can really jam you up if you've got to think. Yeah about you know how I'm going to fund this. Obviously, that happens in all of these kinds of creative projects. But this is a really nice way to um, free yourself up to focus on what you do best, but also to make sure that the final product is accessible to everyone, which I absolutely exactly. love. And that's the whole point of it, isn't it? Like, what's the point yes, of doing is. something like was, this? You're trying to communicate a really important message. What's the point of making that message limited to only those who, who could access it? Exactly.
4: And, and in the last few years with the... In the advent of the uh, increased um, uh, capability of, of video streaming and, and you know people cutting the cord and more people looking for content on, on the web, and and the reality is is statistically that by 2016, 80% of, of content on the internet will be viewed on mobile devices. So you know it's definitely shifting that direction, and, and so as a producer, it puts me in an enviable enviable position of of being able to really concentrate on the product and and make it available to everybody and not have to you know you still still have to go out and get money but i mean it's it's a little bit different venue because there's a lot of people in the industry that that believe in the in the breed and and also want people to know what this horse can do so it's a win-win for everybody ahdf is benefiting from it and you know i'm able to produce some interesting stories and, and hopefully you know just kind of get a different uh, awareness level of what the Arabian horse
0: can actually do. The Arabian Horseman's Distress Fund, what do they do?
4: They are they're set up to help people in the Arabian horse industry that are in need due to, uh, say, a fire or um, a sickness, um, illness. They generate funds to, to help people get through difficult times, and they're speci- specifically for the Arabian horse industry. And uh, it was started by a lady by the name of Mary Trowbridge up in Bridgewater, Connecticut. It's been going now, I think, seven or eight years and has had phenomenal success and has helped out a lot of people.
0: Well, is
1: the Arabian horse industry um, more prone or what is it about that particular um, facet of horses that might make it more prone? I don't think it's, don't think it's just
4: that people are more prone. It's just that, you know, really... Horse trainers in general, I mean, they're self-employed people. And, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a difficult business. And so, a lot of times they get... I you know, hadn't noticed. Enough. <laughs> huh? I
0: hadn't uh, noticed. <laughs> <laughs> and so a
4: lot of times, you know, they're, they're gonna be in a situation where they might have a, an unexpected illness and, and don't have, you know, they're out of work for 90 days because of it and, you know, that loss of income uh, and I've been there as a cancer survivor, you know um would love to have had something like that going on when I was had my cancer twenty years ago and so um they're there to help people that and and it's not just accidents or injuries I mean there was a a horrible barn fire for example by by somebody, and they came in and helped them out financially to kind of recover from that so they're really um they' they got a great group of a great board and and they have you know helped a lot of people.
0: Well, I know we have a lot of Arabian owners, and before we run out of time, what do you want? What do you want them to do if they have a unique story, or you know, if yes, they're doing yes. something unique with their is, Arabian?
4: I don't pretend to have all the stories. I've got—we're starting to shoot a series of stories, but I'm looking for unusual stories. And in all honesty, we've had a lot of submissions about why I love my horse, and and certainly that's going to be uh, uh, an aspect of what we talk about in all these. I'm looking for unusual stories. I mean, like I said, we. We've got this uh this you know we're going to be doing some st- stuff with therapy horses and and um s- certainly we're working looking for some people about therapy with military veterans and we're looking for you know unusual stories about arabians that we can that might make that, that people would like to see and hear so um they can contact me um, at my email address scott at treesmedia dot com and submit story ideas and also you know i'm I'm looking for money so if somebody, you know, my, my goal from the get-go was to say, look, if I could get a thousand people to give me a hundred bucks, that goes a long way towards, towards getting these twelve different videos done. Um because we want to do them right. I mean, this is, you know, there's lots of ways to do production, but if I'm going to be involved, it's going to be done right, and, and to do that requires the talents of not just myself, but many other people. So, um, you know, that's what I would like, and talk it up. I mean, this, I'm doing this project for the Arabian industry. I'm not trying to, feature any one segment or any one uh, uh, aspect of you know, English versus Western versus halter versus sport horse, et cetera. This is about the Arabian horse itself. So talk it up to your friends. Uh, go take a look at my website. Uh, we're working on the website, uh, Arabian Horseman's Distress Fund. So uh, if you uh, go to the, their website uh, or my website, the website will be up later this week. The information will be there, and you know, talk it up. And if you've got a little extra, you're willing to send, send it on in. It's 100% tax deductible.
1: Very and there's good. corporate sponsors as well. So if you work for a big company, hit up your bosses.
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and we're working on some different venues right now. Of, of far, as far as you know, what it, it's also they'll get something back. Obviously, anybody anybody that, that is involved with the project will receive screen credits for. In appreciation, and and depending upon their level of involvement, you know there'll be some other perks that will come with it as well. Very good. And in and in addition, I would like to say that part of the proceeds that we generate also go to the Arabian Horseman's Distress Fund, so it's it's helping out their their organization as well.
0: Twelve people, twelve horses, twelve stories—all about the Arabian horse. Thank you, Scott. We appreciate you joining us again. We wish you all the best. Well, I appreciate you
4: having me back. It's always a pleasure.
2: Hello, folks. Uncle Jimmy here, and welcome to the world of Uncle Jimmy brand products where funny names mean serious products. Featuring Uncle Jimmy's Squeezy Buns, the squeezably soft hand treat that your horse will love, the award winning Uncle Jimmy's Hangin' Balls, Uncle Jimmy's Sugar Free Ball, the incredible Licky Thing, also in Sugar Free, the amazing Uncle Jimmy's Pecker Wrecker, and the Big Licky. The infamous Uncle Jimmy Hanging Ball was first designed by me for my own horses to help reduce the bad habits which come from stall boredom. It now can be found around the world. This nutritious flavored filled boredom buster will help keep your horses occupied and happy around the clock. Properly hung, it will last for weeks provided you don't let your horse pin it and Uncle Jimmy knows who you are. The ball comes in four flavors apple, carrot, peppermint, molasses, and now sugar-free. Once again, welcome to the world of Uncle Jimmy's brand products, where funny names mean serious products, and satisfaction is 100% guaranteed.
0: So you've been thinking about getting a manure spreader? Well here's why I think you should consider Mill Creek. They've been in business for almost 30 years with continuously improved designs to meet the needs of horse owners like you. At Mill Creek, models are virtually maintenance and trouble-free thanks to their exclusive sealed bearings. They're the only compact spreaders you'll find like that. Mill Creek customer service is second to none. Call them and you'll reach a knowledgeable person in their own factory right in Pennsylvania. With eight models available, they're happy to help you choose the right spreader for your budget and barn. Five models can be pulled with ATV or garden tractors. If you'd rather have a PTO drive, they've got those too. At Mill Creek, spreaders have the lowest size and tongue weight of any on the market. One of the biggest problems we always had with our spreaders is they just rust. Everything rusts out and then you have to replace the metal and it's just a pain. If you don't want to ever have to worry about your manure spreader rusting again, then consider the Mill Creek Stainless Steel line. They are the world's first and only compact manure spreaders built out of stainless steel, and they're warrantied against rust-through for life. Julie Goodnight, clinician and star of Horse Master with Julie Goodnight on RFD-TV, has owned and used the Mill Creek Spreader every day for over nine years. She knows they represent great value and quality and is proud to endorse them. So for the best compact manure spreading equipment you can buy, check out Mill Creek's lineup. Years of trouble-free operation will get you out of the barn faster and give you more time for your horses. Give them a call today at 800-311-1323 or visit their website at millcreekspreaders.com.
1: Coming up next, we have Misty Tracy, and she is the chairperson of an organization that is beyond super cool. They are called the Sweep Riders of the Sierra, and Misty's going to tell us all about what they do. It's an all-volunteer riding group that has been established to provide safety and on-trail communications for endurance events in the Western States Trail. And um, they're around that that whole area called, uh, you know, California. Yeah. (laughs) That island called California. Anyway, it is a really, really cool, very supportive riding group. And Misty's going to tell us about that now.
0: Well, hi, Misty. Welcome to the show.
5: Well, thank you for having us. It's really exciting.
0: Well, I... I I don't know how uh, – we've been doing these shows. We've done over 4,000 episodes of the Horse Radio Network, and I have never come across you guys before. I saw a post on Facebook, and I said, I don't even know what they are. So I looked it up, and we I said, we got to get you guys on because we talk about endurance riding all the time. We have a show we do once a month on The Morning Show with Karen Chatton, one of the top endurance riders in the country. And you are part of the sweep riders of the Sierras. Tell us what that is.
5: Well, we are a really interesting and unusual organization, and we have way too much fun. But basically, we are the only equestrian ham-based group in the world, and it all evolved out of a need. And every, every time in this planet that people have moved, there has been somebody in the back. And it has evolved into where they had cattle drives and they had drag riders. And now we have endurance rides and endurance runs, and there's always a person riding in the back to bring things along. But And so every endurance ride out there does have drag riders. What made us unique was when we started up with this tennis group, we had such a need for communication. And that particular ride is 100 miles from Tahoe to Auburn, And it is over the river and through the woods and crossing the mountains. And it was so hard to get any kind of communication in there.
0: We've talked about Tevis uh, many times here on the show and how difficult and had a lot of the riders on. Uh, What I didn't realize is that there are people that go behind to make sure, one, that there's no rider laying in a ditch. Um, And and, and is that your only job is to make sure all the riders have gotten through safely? Or are you also clean up crew or you know what?
5: (laughs) Well, our, actually, our main job is for Tevis and for the Western States Run is communication. Okay. Two is the rider safety. You know, we're going to help anybody that's down, lost, injured, done, tired, exhausted, minus a horse, whatever their situation is. And then what we do try to do um, after the ride or the run, and then also before the ride or the run, is we will help them set up their trail marking system. Mm. Oh, okay. And we even been known to sell a few, tr- few trees and trim some bushes. You know, so we just try to help. Well, that's...
0: So you get it's... a lot of miles in. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of miles.
1: <laughs> how long has this... How long have you been like an organized group? Well, like
5: I said, there's always been a drag system involved. But then in about 94, they officially became what they called Suite. And we were still very infantile in getting the communication system together, but it was working. And then in 2000, we branched off and became officially Sweep Riders of the Sierra as a nonprofit with communication as our main goal. And one of our riders, actually the husband of a rider, Bob Balthrop, patented a helmet attachment for us in 97. So we actually have whip antennas on top of our helmets <laughs> to create better, um, better coverage for our radios. And yes, yeah. uh, yeah, so we just have a lot of really neat firsts and and, and new and things people, coming along.
0: People might ask, and I I would ask, sorry, Helena, I would ask, speaking of the radios, you know, why don't you just use cell phones? But I don't think there's coverage in some of those areas on that ride, is there?
1: Yeah, or it's unreliable. No. Yeah,
0: yeah. No,
5: yeah. there's absolutely. No coverage in many, many areas, and not even just like the little blips you get in town when you're driving, when you drop a call, but you'll go 30 miles without coverage. Yeah. So from about uh, Forest Hill, maybe north, uh, i mean, excuse me, east of Forest Hill, I can get cell phone coverage. But everything over the Granite Chief Wilderness, um, which would include like Cougar Rock and Elephant Trunk, those really iconic landmarks, it's it's a dead zone. So we use um, borrowed repeaters, which are those really huge antennas, and then we have literally coverage from top to
1: bottom. This is so cool. I want to <laughs> be it's a guy really with a cool. big antenna the on my head. Your an, radio antenna just really put it over the top for me, I know. like super coolness. <laughs> oh, yeah. But oh, here's yeah. what here's what makes it even more cool is that you do need to be qualified in order to participate in this group, and, and it is a job. Um the, tell us a little bit about the qualifications. Um, I noticed on your website that it's open to horse and rider, donkey, mule, obviously, you know, a, a broad group of equines. Tell us a little bit about that, the qualification process.
5: You know, it's, it's mostly just, it's, yeah, it, it's basically, it's a, um, what'd you call it? Like an interview for a part-time job. Because that's what we're asking you to do is really donate a lot of your time and, and be serious about it. And it is a, it's a a—it's a job, and it's such a privilege to be a part of it. So we ask people to come out, and they have to just kind of go through a basic obstacle course and do a very long trail ride with us where we will use different speeds, a lot of leapfrogging. They'll have to back up hills. They'll have to pony horses. They'll have to learn how to tail and do all these things that we see every single year out on the trail. And then once they qualify, they're part of us. And then to stay qualified, you have to continue riding either the Tevis or the Western States 100, um, and then you're just a part of us.
0: It's great. How many riders will you have, uh, like, out for Tevis at, at, uh, on that day?
5: Well, we have 10 sections to cover. We split the 100 miles into 10, and... Any of the sections can go from six miles to about 23 miles, and that's all based off how can I get people in there. So then with my 10 sections, I will have a minimum of two and a maximum of four riders on every team. And we try to always have two radios. Sometimes it's not always a possibility, but we try very hard to have two radios on every team. Um, Especially if I have four riders, two of them having radios, then I could split a team if we ended up with a wreck out there Two people could stay with the rack and two people could continue on with our duties. How so. often do
1: you find actual wrecks, or how often do you Problems. find things? Problems. You know, it's not, as, it's not as
5: common as what you think. Most of the time, it's just going to be helping people that maybe have a horse that's tying up or has a little bit of a lameness issue, or the horse is just done. And we just need to help them get to the next checkpoint. But we have been involved with several wrecks that were pretty major. Um, and that's the beauty of what we do with the communication is that we can actually get them help. We can call into net control. Net control can call straight over to large animal rescue. And we can get them help so much faster than if we were just sending the carrier pigeons out.
0: <laughs> uh, and I, I'm seeing a picture here of you with the antenna on your head. And I don't know why it reminds me of the Big Bang Theory. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but it kind of does. I could just see, uh, Leonard out there, uh, with the antenna on his head, uh, but it kind of yeah. does. And I'm a geek, so I, I'm, I'm loving this. I, you know, I, a, and this is all volunteer, right? This is all, you guys are all just out there doing it because you love doing it.
5: We are all out there doing it because we love doing it. Exactly. And you know, it's just, it's a, uh, it is fun. It is fun. And it's so necessary. You know, you really feel like you're part of something bigger. And you're helping people. You're helping other people accomplish their dreams,
1: which is yeah. which is cool. It's just you are. Cool. You're, there's value in it. There's personal value. There's reward. There's activity. Um, is supportive to not only the riders, the competitors, but to the entire endurance community or trail riding community. Um, exactly. Now the, it's yeah. really neat.
5: It's like a really neat transitional organization, too, because what we end up seeing is a lot of endurance riders that are kind of retiring, but they're not done, mm-hmm. so we can use them. And then we have a lot of people that come in as trail riders that then get fascinated with endurance riding, and they'll go on and, and come up with an endurance career. So it's really neat to see our people kind of ebb and flow with their interests, but yet still come back to us every year. and. To see real valued
0: members and, and because you guys aren't competing you can you, you don't all have to be riding Arabs. Probably most of you are riding car- uh, quarter horses or gated horses of some sort.
5: you know we have an an, an absolute mixed bag of horses. Um, there are quite a few Arabs but like you say a lot of gated horses, a few quarter horses. A few oddball horses, my Appaloosa's one. That's, a, um,
0: that's, a, that's but, the most expensive breed, the oddballs. Uh, they're they're <laughs> the oddball expensive breeds, breed. You know, you just don't yeah. know. They're purebred
5: <laughs> oddballs. But every, every single section requires a different kind of animal and rider. So I think people think that they have to have a flaming, wild, snorting Arab in order to do this. And it's like, no, I can use them, though, in the first 30 miles because the ride's still rolling fast. Yeah. And the terrain is not quite as technical. I mean, it's technical, but it's not steep and crazy. So they can actually move. But when we get down into the canyons, those slow steadies,
0: you, I need them. Then you want a mule. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's what,
5: yeah. And we do have a mule in our group. Yeah. We do. Yes. And, and ponies. Uh, you know, you ponies are really down.
1: good with that, too.
0: Yeah.
5: Yes, they can. They oh, can mm-hmm. be. And, and a lot of our sections are done at night. So then that brings a whole other element in, too, you know, to have that nice, steady horse. Yep. What, what do you have, headlamp? Crazier. Do
1: you wear a headlamp? Oh, my God, this is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? We have found
5: over the years, yes, we have headlamps. Everybody lights up a little differently, but we have found...
0: <laughs> yeah, we've noticed that, that, too. <laughs> you,
5: yes, <laughs> the more you light them up, the less they can.
0: depends on how much alcohol is consumed, usually, for the lighting up part, but...
5: Um, exactly. We don't get to do that. But no, maybe after the ride,
0: not until after. after okay, the so ride. so that's yeah. what makes you different than fox hunters is uh, you you only allowed to drink after the ride. See, that's what makes you different. I now, know, but they would be so much braver if they did before. <laughs> now, let me ask no you this: comment. Are these groups? Uh, uh, does every endurance ride have these outriders, or is this only the the really big nasty ones out west?
5: Nope. Actually, I think all endurance rides have some sort of a drag system. We're just the only ones that use radios.
0: Okay, gotcha. Ah. You know, the actual
5: yeah. ham radios, I should say. So, I think a lot I've of them will get out before. there with walkie-talkies and that kind of stuff, but to actually get the kind of distance we need, and we're the only ones that are hammers.
0: Well, this is very, very cool. If you want to check out more about it, it's sweepriders, S-W-E-E-P, riders, S-W-E-E-P org is the website, and there's a whole bunch of information on there as well as photos and videos and everything. And if somebody lives out west there and wants to join up, they just contact you through the website there.
5: Yes, yes, please do. We have our qualifications coming up uh, throughout the month of May, and um, we would love to see some fresh faces what, and, and new in, people.
0: And Tevis is at the in the fall, right? Isn't that when Tevis is?
5: No, Tevis is going to be uh, first part of August. Okay. Um, yeah. It always runs on a full moon.
0: Okay, that's right. So always they can end, I, I, hopefully it's not cloudy and they can actually see something. In the middle of the night. Yes, because
5: yeah. one year, a couple of years ago, we had a thunderstorm all night long, and we lost our light, and it was wet. and we Some of those riders are just getting back,
0: Helena. Some of those riders are just coming home now. Uh. Yeah, <laughs>
5: <laughs> That's for sure. But we also do the Western States 100, which is another interesting organization to look up. It branched off of Tevis in '74, and it turned into this amazing, it's a foot race that's 100 miles on the same trail. And ah. so we also sweep that one, and it, it's a whole other beast. And ah. they also have their own website. You, they can look that up at westernstates100.org. And then they can also look up org just for more information about the trail. and So
0: history with that of it. one, with that one, you just come along and you find a, a runner that's just collapsed. You just throw him over the back and take him in.
5: Yes, we do. Yeah. They we have little... do. And, you know, the runners are a different, uh, a different thing altogether. We've been out there in the middle of the night, and... They'll be wearing trash bags and and things to stay warm. And if that isn't a desensitizing uh, system for your horse to come across the person in the middle of the night shuffling down the trail in a trash trash bag. bag. Oh, yeah. And uh, of course, they kind of get this, they can kind of lull themselves into a little mental state where they're not really listening and paying attention. So you really need to speak with them and make sure that they're alert and they're okay and they're not in danger. But we end up, um, Picking up quite a few of them.
0: I think if you're (laughs) running 100 miles, you're in a mental state anyway. I think you started out in a mental state myself. (laughs) It's just my opinion. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Oh, no. They they are. It's a different breed. Yeah, I'd say. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, And it's Misty Tracy. She's the chairperson of the Sweep Riders of the Sierra. And the website, again, is sweeperiders.org. Thank you, Misty. Well, in just a minute, we're going to have our training tip brought to you by Flirting with the World, which we heard about earlier in the show. But I wanted to mention that next week on Stable Scoop, we're going to do another episode on Lyme in people, Lyme disease in people. We did one a couple of years ago. It's still our most popular episode we've ever done on Stable Scoop show. And if you remember, I don't know if you remember back that far, it's been a couple years, Helena, but we had a lady on who is part of the Lyme disease group who was very knowledgeable and told us all about what's going on and why the medical community kind of refuses to believe that this even exists. Well, she's going to come back with us and kind of give us an update over the last two years. Have things improved? Have they gotten worse? You know, what's the status of uh, Lyme disease in people in America today? Um, and if you remember right, she's the one that after we recorded with her, she talked me go- into going back on my diet. Yes, and that's when I yes. went back on my diet, and I've been on it ever since. And and the Lyme has actually been much better. So uh, we're we're also going to have a couple of ro- uh, we're going to have a couple of horse people with us who have contracted Lyme and who have uh, have fought the battle. And have been very sick and have had doctors that haven't treated them. And they're going to tell their stories. So we have a couple of them coming on with us. Um, And that's all going to happen on next week's episode. So tune in. Then it'll be a little more serious uh, next week. But uh, very important and obviously something that's dear to my heart. Because I've been living with it for 15 years now. Yes, you have. All right. Let's do this. Let's go to our... Our training tip are brought to you by Flirting with the World. This month's training tip is with Ellie O'Brien of Ellie O'Brien Horsemanship. Now back from New Zealand. Well, hi, Ellie. Welcome back to the show.
3: Hi, Glenn. It feels good to be back.
0: Well, you are no longer in the United States. You made the great trek back to New Zealand, right?
3: I sure did. Yep, I am. Traded the American summer for another winter.
0: <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, you went back right at the end, our beginning of our spring, and the beginning of their winter.
3: I did. Yeah, you I timed that, that I was bad. Come back to some sunshine, but no. <laughs> mm.
0: Did that mean that uh, your daughter had to go from school to school? Did she get yep, a break? Yep.
3: she's straight I was offered for her to have a little break, but she wanted to get sucked straight back into it again, so I'm not complaining about that.
0: Well, there you go. Well, that worked out good. She's such a good kid. Yeah. well, now you went back and then immediately, like Ellie does, dives into things, doesn't waste any time uh sitting around enjoying life. you visited it seemed like you visited the family and then got right back to horses.
3: I did, yep. Um, I was really lucky to have a very special horse come into my life almost straight away.
0: Tell us about that, because this is one pretty beast.
3: (laughs) He is. Well, um, after spending my time in America, and I was really lucky to have the ride of a Frisian Cross Warmblood, uh, I just fell in love with the breed and just the nature, and they just love to work for you. So I decided that I would love to have one coming back home. I put out my feelers, and within two weeks, I had a Friesian uh, thoroughbred stallion sitting on my doorstep. <laughs> oh, wow.
0: I didn't realize he was a stallion.
3: He is, yep. So we have some pretty big plans for the future.
0: Now, and it was this horse unbroke?
3: Yep, he is a four year old and he has basically been sitting out on the hills. He's, what handling he has had has been phenomenal, which is fantastic, but he is a blank canvas, which is just perfect for me.
0: And what's the ultimate goal with this one?
3: I would like to head down the dressage path. Um, but my big goal, like, I, I really just want to bring horsemanship or foundations, good foundations, so then it's just something that's, a you know, a, the way things that are done now. Um, so I would like with him just to be able to show people and demonstrate and, you know, just promote it more here in New Zealand.
0: Now you are taking this horse. Okay, so it's a Frisian. Now you said you dealt with a Frisian here in the United States and you liked it. I've heard both sides of the Friesians. I've heard that they're tough to deal with, and, but yet you liked dealing with them.
3: I did, yeah. Um, Just I found that they just really want to please you. They're like being the heavier type of horse; they are a little bit cruisier in nature, and they would prefer not to move. But that also makes the whole pressure release concept very, very easy because they're always looking for a way to not have to do something.
0: Right, right. (laughs) Well, that's what I've heard. I've heard that you know sometimes they have a mind of their own and are not cooperative.
3: Yeah, and I guess that, that comes down to understanding your horse, understanding that body language, and to be a good trainer, you have to be malleable yourself to be able to fit in with the different types of horses that you're working with. And I think um when I started a mule once upon a time, um, that really taught me to be able to, it lifted me as a, trainer because i had to be able to work with this with this mule i should say sorry um to get things happening and to get a good job happening
0: yeah and i heard that patience is the key with mules that you're going to do it you're going to do it on their terms and and figure out a way to make it uh, their idea Uh,
3: yeah and and they're so incredibly smart so you have to be um 10 steps ahead even more so
0: all right, so let's do this. What we're going to do over the next uh, couple of months is as your training tip, we're kind of going to follow your progress and you're going to talk to us about what you're doing along the way uh, to bring this horse along from really probably halter broke to uh, to riding. Now, you've had him, you've been working with him for about two weeks. So give us kind of the game plan you had for the first couple of weeks and where you're at.
3: Yeah, sure thing. So um, I sort of wanted to I love with when I'm working with my own horses because I just kind of I really just sort of let go of any plans that I have and I just work with them and at their own pace and whether that be fast or slow or um you know just wherever I need to fit in so the big thing to start with is I wanted to you have to have this perfect balance of gaining their trust but also, um, I guess being assertive, especially being a stallion, I didn't want to for a minute to let him think that he needed to be the leader in the situation. Um, so I spent a lot of time with him just out in the pasture, just working it, working him around myself like as if, you know, I was another horse. So uh, putting pressure towards the hindquarters, getting him moving away, drawing him, him in towards me. Um then we've been working in the round pen with some, getting him hooking on, doing the join-up, moving again moving the hindquarters away, the shoulders away, getting him to back up, really getting a feel for me and getting connected with him. And like I said, he's been very easy because he likes to find a way to not have to do a lot. So um, a big thing for us is we've got another stallion on the property. So on one side of him, he had a stallion and some geldings. And then on the other side, he had mares and foals. So getting his attention on me has been one of my big priorities because I don't want that to go through later into, you know, when I'm riding him or taking him out. He has to be 100% focused on me the whole time. So any time he loses focus off me and starts calling out or looking around, I put him to work straight away. And (laughs) it didn't take him long to figure out that, being back by me and having his head on the ground between my legs um, was a good place to be so yesterday I think was our sixth time in the round pen and we didn't have any calling out we didn't have any looking around so that was really neat to see you know those little puzzle pieces coming together
0: so when you so to get to that point what did you do what kind of training did you do with him so far
3: so I really love starting off with using the round pen and um basically driving him around me. So I, I like to teach them cues for walk, trot, and canter, getting them to change direction, coming, turning in. It's very important to have them turn in towards you as well instead of out to the outside because if they turn to the outside, it's kind of like a flea response. They're turning that hindquarter into you and they're getting out of there. But if I can draw him into me so that his head faces me as he turns and changes direction, then I know he's being um, he's being responsive rather than reactive. So at the start, he, he wanted to turn to the outside because he could see all the other horses on the outside and, um, you know, just worry as well. So doing that is a great way to start off that foundation to keep his attention on me.
0: And now I'm seeing here that uh, now he's pretty good. He's a pretty big boy, right?
3: He is, yeah. Um, he's about sixteen hands and um, pretty solid.
0: So what would you say? What, keeping his attention has been the biggest uh, obstacle for you this first couple of weeks.
3: Yeah, it has just because of, you know, that, that drive as a stallion. Um, they tend to always want to know what's going on around them so that they can keep everything in check. Um, but, I mean, we've got the other stallion that we have on the property. He's a 14 year old and he's had superb training. Um, so he's like a, he's like a little lamb. He walks around with his head on the ground and doesn't take notice of anything else. And, you know, that's what you want. In a stallion, to, so that when you take them out, they are safe, and um, because you know, in the wrong hands, things can get out of hand. How do you
0: know? And maybe this is instinct, I don't know. How do you, and by the way, are they keeping him a stallion or the owners keeping him a stallion?
3: Uh, my fella? Yep. Um, yes. Yep. Well, he's okay. my own horse. So oh, he's your own
0: yeah. horse. Okay. I, I, yeah. I didn't realize that. I thought he was, uh, somebody that, you know, they brought to you. Okay, good. It's cool. Fine.
3: No, um, I've decided that I will keep him as a stud. He's the last of his lines here in New Zealand. So oh, okay. we'll, we'll keep him as a breeding horse. So I'm very excited about that.
0: And his name is?
3: His name is Homsley Stirling.
0: Okay, got it. Now you, so you, how do you know when you're going pushing them too far? You know, in a session, in any given session, yeah. How do you know when you're pushing them too far? What's your indications that okay, I need to back off of this? We're we're starting to have an issue here. Um, yes. How do you know? What's the key, what are the cues that you look for?
3: Um, tend like especially with this breed as well. They'll tend to shut down on you if you're asking too much. And, um, not, not giving enough either. Um, so if I notice that my horse is starting to shut down, then I've probably just taken it that step too far and asked too much. So in that instance, and we all make that mistake. We all ask too much, you know, like the old saying of, you know, finish while the going's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's so true. You do want to finish when it's going good because you're, You're keeping them feeling really good about what they're doing. You're feeling good about what you're doing. But say if I did get to that point and I found him shutting down, then I would just keep on going a little bit more because I can't leave him in that place because then I'm just teaching him to shut down. So I would keep on... Keep on going, get a positive response I was and body the direction, what, whatever I was working on, and then finish the okay.
0: Uh, yeah, I was going to say what setting. we te- what I tend to do is uh, you know when I'm working with the driving ponies, if they get to the point where they're doing that, then I'll have them do something they know how to do, and and yes. we end on a success. We back up a step uh, and end on a success rather than what you say. You're right. You can't let them think that oh I can do this all the time and we're just done. Um, that's
3: right. Yeah. Yep. Because, I mean, and horses don't know, they don't know right from wrong. They only know that where we give them a release and pressure is how they, you know, how they got out of that sort of thing.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, you're right. So that, you know, that's the way we do it in, in driving is the same way. Now, did I yeah. see you actually on his back?
3: I did. Yeah, we went yeah. out um, two days ago and... I had been doing the fence exercise so where I sit up on top of the fence and get him to come in beside which is great for getting teaching them to come up to the mounting block or a fence to be able to get on but it's also just aids in getting them used to seeing you up above them and up behind them on their back sort of thing and um he was he had no problems with that at all so I just started putting some pressure down on his back and we ended up um sliding down and sitting on there for a few moments and um he was just he was so kind and relaxed and not bothered by anything which was really great
0: wow well congratulations that's always a fun first step
3: it is it is very fun so But before we take it much further than that, um, you know, there are things that I like to have things 110% on the ground before I'll get to putting a saddle on and taking him and putting that first ride on him.
0: Right, exactly. Well, good. Well, we're excited to follow along with you and your progress with with him. And we'll definitely have you on every month. And we'll kind of do. And maybe what you can think about is during that month, what was. What was your biggest challenge, and how did you overcome it? What was the training technique you used to overcome it during that month? Uh, yeah, that's I, great. I think that would be great for you to keep in mind, and that could be the good tip that we do uh, for, for for that month's uh, tip.
3: Fantastic. I'm looking forward to that. Well, congratulations, and uh,
0: I'd say welcome home, but you left us. so. Uh... <laughs>
3: <laughs> I know. I'll be back. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm glad you're home with family, and I'm sure they're thrilled to have you and your daughter there.
3: <laughs> Thank you so much. We are going to wrap up
1: another great episode of Stable Scoop. Um, you know, I absolutely love Ellie O'Brien. I'm glad she's I'm, – I'm sad that she's in back in New Zealand, but glad that she's in her home country. Um,
0: we love our Kiwi friends, don't we? Yes, I do, and our Australian friends, too. We have a ton of listeners in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, and that's as- – It's
1: appropriate that uh, Flirting with the World would sponsor our global partners in training. So this is kind of a a nice little partnership.
0: And I didn't get the chance to tell you that over the last about 10 days, we've had a ton of downloads of our Horse Radio Network app. I don't know what Mm. happened, you know, but it's been about 10 times normal every day. I don't know if we got bumped up on one of the lists, you know, and maybe the App Store bumped us up and highlighted us or something. But uh, we're getting a – so we welcome, if any new listeners are listening on the app to the Stable Scoop show, we hope you go back and take a listen to all the past episodes, which go back seven years now. Wow. There's a lot of content. Now, if you want to listen, there's 20 – the way it works is the app has 25 of the last episodes for all the different shows. If you want to go back past that, you have to go to our website and take a listen at StableScoop.com.
1: Be sure to log on next Friday for another episode of Stable Scoop, where we are going to talk about Lyme disease. Um, the next in our, the next, um, what's the word? The next something in the series? The
0: the next, installation. There we go. That works. The next installation episode. in the series.
1: This is what happens when I try to get all <laughs> sophisticated.
0: She hasn't had um, her, she hasn't had her flask out this morning yet. That's a problem.
1: <laughs> no, I've had coffee. I've had coffee. <laughs> for details about today's show, go to Stablescoop.com. We post links, photos, and more information about the guests that we have on the show. So if you'd like to dive in a little bit into um, our guests today, again you can find them at stablescoop.com. Yeah, I can't talk today.
0: I know. Um, and can and you I know what? give a plug? Can I give a plug for my wife's show? We don't do that enough. Uh,
1: My t- favorite show on the network.
0: Take a listen to Horse Tip Daily is one of the shows that you'll find on the app or at horseradionetwork.com. Horse Tip Daily is a series of almost daily uh, tips that we pr- that Jennifer records with guests or we take off of the other shows. So head on over to Horse Tip Daily. Jennifer puts together all the different tips about horseback riding and life and anything to do with horses. Off of the other shows, and she records some of her own, and you'll find them all over at Horse Tip Daily. What's it up to? It's up to about 1,300, isn't it, Helena? It's a lot of tips.
1: It's a lot of tips. Yeah, it's a lot of tips. Thank God it's searchable.
0: Yeah, and you can search it. You can go over there and put nutrition. You can go over there and put photography, and you'll find Scott Trees on there, who our previous guest is today. Uh, All different kinds of things, and Jennifer does a great job with it.
1: She does a fantastic job, and her guests are wonderful. Okay. Now what? Oh, yeah. We love your feedback. (laughs) (laughs) My God. You know what it is? It's like this little timer went off. And I can't talk, so
0: I'm letting you do all the talking here.
1: I know, I know, I know. We do love your feedback. We love our fans. We love to interact with you. We want to hear your thoughts. So please follow us on Facebook. You can just do a quick search on Stable Scoop. We're also on Twitter. Uh, Our Twitter ID is Horse Radio, all one word. And where else are we? That's it for now. That's good. That's yeah, it's enough. Yeah, funny. That's enough. Many thanks to our sponsors, Flirting with the World, Buy Me to Dewormers, Uncle Jimmy's Brand Products, and Mill Creek Spreaders. Be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com.
0: Well, Helena, that's it for this week, and that's enough.
1: <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, I don't think I could make it through anymore. We will have more next week. Until then, happy scooping. Mm-hmm.